Rob Manford wants a federal mediator to step into the process. Want to know what that actually means? He just wants to drag it out. Want to know what that actually means? There's a lot more that the owners will be pushing for than what they've shown to date. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Major League Baseball informed the Players Association yesterday that it, it won't be submitting a counterproposal to the players' recent proposal. And in turn, it'll be bringing in or attempting to bring in a federal mediator. The players obviously would have to agree to any mediation. And then within that, the mediator person, meaning who would actually do this. And while that sounds and probably feels like a great big nothing burger, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I've maintained throughout this lockout that began at the beginning of December that the owners were going to view this as an opportunity to set up a labor agreement that looks a lot more like the labor agreements in all of the other professional sports, and they were going to be willing to pay a significant price in order to make that happen. Now, if you've followed the history of sports labor disputes, and I have, and I've also covered one for a year and a half straight with the NHL's lockout in 2004 that resulted in hockey implementing a full-blown salary cap to go in line with what the NFL and the NBA already had, you'll know that one thing is really important early in the process, and that is to at least paint the picture that you're willing to negotiate. That has to happen. That has to happen. Or all of the later judgments when things get ugly and get stuck in courts and antitrust discussions and everything else, all that will end up blowing up in your face. You have to look like you're being reasonable. So over these past few weeks when everyone's been saying, oh, look, progress, ooh, progress, there hasn't actually been any. There hasn't been give and take worth mentioning on virtually any front as it relates to the economics of the game, which is all that matters in this setting. Hasn't been touched, hasn't been scraped. And that takes me back to the question that I've been asking throughout, and I always go back to this. What is it that the owners want? 99.999% of the coverage that you see from the national baseball writers are about what the players want. The players see this as a chance to blah, 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 blah. Why? Because all of their sources are on the player's side. And why are the sources on that side? Because the agents are on that side. And the reporters talk to the agents. Ask me how I know this. I 
done this for a living. I've lived it. The fact of the matter, the fact, the elephant in the room fact, is that the bosses, the owners of the company, in any labor environment, set the work rules. This is the one thing upon which Major League Baseball and the Players Association openly, publicly agree. You'll hear that in a derisive tone, but you'll hear it from the player's side. The owners set the work rules. They do. They do. So in theory, what the players want out of this doesn't really matter all that much. If the owners are determined to push for what they want. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. What is it then? What do they want? Well, I've got two clues here, and that's all they are. Clues. One of them emerged during the ugliness of the 2020 labor dispute when the owners and players couldn't even agree on how to conduct a shortened season amid a global pandemic. Remember that? That was that was some classy behavior there on both sides. But a lot of the nastiness came out, including occasionally from the owner's side, from team executives. And when people who were way higher ups with franchises like the Cubs and the Diamondbacks based in a couple of the bigger markets in the United States, and they talked about longing for a salary cap type system. They talked about that. That raised eyebrows with me more than anything else that I've heard. Because they, the owners slash execs slash teams, never, never said stuff like that before. And when you saw late last year that the people running the Yankees and the Red Sox of all teams were speaking openly about the need to address competitive balance and other related concerns, and then you see those teams coming in under the luxury tax threshold and only two teams exceeding it, one of them by a mile, the Dodgers who have unlimited cash because of their local TV contract, and the Padres just by a millimeter. Almost not worth mentioning, but, you know, I'm attempting to be completely accurate here. The Padres were over it as well. And then from there, the owner's first proposal, the first thing they floated in the player's direction, this was while baseball was still going on, was a cap-type system with a $180 million ceiling via the luxury tax and a $100 million floor via the same mechanism. Tony Clark and the Players Union shot it down on site. 
very much expected. But it wasn't put out there for no reason, and neither were those statements made by the people running the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. None of that happened in a vacuum. So my position on all of this has been, yes, of course, the owners and players had to sit down. But it's been the owners who've been reluctant to negotiate in any way. They're 100% guilty in this regard. If that's the only thing you're looking at as to who's holding up what, it's one entirely on the owners. They've been stalling every chance they get. And now this. Players were waiting for a counterproposal, didn't even get one. And the next call was to Washington for mediation help. That's not a side that is serious about negotiating. I'm not saying this because I care in the slightest who's doing what and for what reason. I also couldn't care less if the owners win or if the players win. I really, really don't care. I don't have a side in this other than wanting to see fair and equitable baseball again in my lifetime. Why? Because I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh. Does that absolve the owner of being cheap? No. Is that an explanation for why Bob Nutting has set up the lowest payroll in the majors? No. All of these things can exist on concurrent tracks, and they do, because if you put a cap system in, nutting doesn't matter. You force him to spend up. The fact that the overwhelming majority of even baseball fans who don't realize that shouldn't influence reality. What I just said is undeniably, verifiably true. Nutting would be forced to spend to a certain level. You wouldn't even know his name in a cap system. That, and not the fat cat owners, is what I'm pulling for. I'm pulling for a system that makes baseball fair again. I don't care who wins or who suffers or whatever else in the process. I'm looking for the fairest system. So when I see the owners behaving the way they are, yeah, I will allow myself to get my hopes up at least a little. Because they do control that process. And whether it's greed or whatever else that motivates them, I don't care. I don't care how rich or more rich or less rich they are. That doesn't interest me. Let's see this thing get shut down so that these owners will finally find the gumption to stick together and put that fair system into place. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. Today's J1Q comes from Clay McInerney, who asks, if a salary floor is enacted in Major League Baseball and you're giving recommendations to Ben Charrington, where do you spend money to reach the floor? Extensions to Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds don't count. 
Who do you target from the outside? Uh, Clay, you, you loaded this question in a way that you're kind of trying to trap me into identifying like big name free agents that the pirates would be forced to pursue and whatever else here. And, and none of that's realistic. So I'm, I'm not going to fall into the trap there, if you will. Although it was pretty, pretty well set. The fact is, and this was true when the NHL switched to a cap system in 2004, no team has to make the minimum or the floor right away, just like no team has to come under the cap or the ceiling right away. Uh, There's a grandfathering period so that you don't have the crazy scenario like the one that you're describing. Now, does that mean that baseball would follow exactly the way hockey did it? No, of course not. But precedents like that are known and discussed. And by the people who are involved in the process, they're all familiar with them. So it would be very likely that in any kind of, whether it's a a hard cap or whether it's a form of the luxury tax that would be closer to what the NBA has, one way or another, you'd see a grandfathering period. And there's one other thing I should mention here. Players' individual salaries don't change. If you've signed an individual contract with a team, that contract is required by law to be honored. The labor agreement has no impact on that. So even though the NHL, for example... Uh, imposed individual maximum salaries, players who had contracts that greatly exceeded the new individual max were still being paid that amount. Nothing about that changed. Some of them, by the way, continue to get paid for years and years, if you're familiar with the Alexa Yashin story on Long Island. But to further... Pick away at your question here, Clay. The very first thing you would do if you were Charrington is to go to Reynolds and Hayes. So you can't just take that off the table, my man. It's the first thing you do. And you would go to them and you would front load everything that you could front load in signing those guys. Whether that's uh, a signing bonus up front, extra salary loaded up front, whatever it is. It's not like the players would say no to front loading because they can take that money, stick it in the bank, or put it into investments and have it grow many times over. They'd all say yes to front loading. Anyone would. So that's the kind of thing I think you'd see as being the Pirates' solution to getting up to either the salary floor or whatever the next grandfathered tier would be toward the salary floor. This is also, you know, I I don't, I get a little cringy discussing the actual breakdown of this sort of thing because it it can lead to false hope. I'm nowhere near believing that this is going to come to pass. There are lots of things and there's a lot of time and a lot of acrimony and a lot of federal mediation and storming away with slammed suitcases from big glass tables that has to occur 
over the next few months and probably longer for us to get anywhere near the kind of scenario that you just put forth. This would have to get epic ugly. But today, unlike a couple of days ago, I'm at least willing to entertain the notion that it could get epic ugly. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates, not just today, all week long, all off-season long. The only constant through this lockout, the only one, is that this show will continue on every single week. Thank you so much for listening to me.